welcome to GYSB Talks. I am your host, Carla Palmer, founder and creator of GYSB. Get your sexy back, health and fitness movement. Over 13 years ago, I lost over 50 pounds and on that journey, I found joy, peace and more self-love. That's how the GYSB movement got started because I wanted to share with other people what I had found for myself. And now in my 50s, I'm still on this journey. And now I'm starting to navigate some of the inevitable changes that come with aging. So GYSB Talks will cover topics that will help women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s get to their next level of optimal living. Physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, and in relationships. Guys, I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get into today's topic, shall we? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of GYSB Talks. I am your host, Carla Palmer, and today we've got an amazing guest. Her name is Victoria Keith. We're going to be talking about your mental health and major purchases. This is major purchases like homes and cars. And I think today we're all going to be really happy that we had this discussion. I know I am. So I bring people on the show that are going to have, you know, good discussions around topics that I think are going to help us, especially us women in our 50s. So let me introduce you to Victoria. Victoria Keith, creator of Ask Victoria. Keith began her career in 2015 as an automotive sales consultant. After years of successfully selling cars, she realized that many people weren't equipped to save money, time, and haggling when car shopping. As a result, she developed Ask Victoria. Ask Victoria has expanded to become a referral service for all major financial purchases. Victoria, welcome to GYSB Talks. Thank you so much, Carla, for having me. Excited to be here. Me too. Me too. So (laughs) listen, the last time I bought a car was, it was a traumatic experience. I bought a car from a, from a deal. I've never had a new car. It was a used car Mm -hmm. and I went without preparation Mm -hmm. and I bought a car and had a seven year loan, girl. That's right. This a kiss of death. Eighty four months. It it really is. And once I finally paid that car off in twenty, I think it was twenty twelve. I never went to a car dealership after that. I was tra- completely traumatized. <laughs> and it happens. It happens. It truly does. You know. And so that's what you know. I. I Started selling cars in 2015, and I realized that was what triggered me to want to develop Ask Victoria because so many people came in just impulse shopping Mm -hmm. and and truly not preparing before making the decision to buy a car. It's the second most expensive purchase that you will make Mm -hmm. in, in most people's cases. And so without equipping yourself with the information, you can make a mistake or mistakes period along the way Mm -hmm. did you find that people were coming in there just to browse because that's what I did I just went to browse Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how persuasive Mm -hmm. the the dealers can be and I just wasn't ready so Mm -hmm. did you see a lot of that like people just oh you know I'm just trying to like check out the cars and they didn't really want to buy but then they walk out with a car it happens almost every day. And the way there are strategic questions that are asked that are designed to pry and then 
relax you a little. So at the same time, these questions I may ask to just to gauge where you are, but then also to relax you to, to so you're not thinking I'm some big bag wolf, mm. which the, you know, the car sales profession is, has a stigma attached to it. So it's all designed to get your guard down so that I can be that big bad wolf and then sell your car. You know, it's, it's that's the nature of sales period though. It, yeah. And it doesn't matter what you're buying, but the, the questions are all designed just to get you more relaxed to, to get you to know, like, and trust me. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like a poker game. And I, I, I think what, what people, the consumer doesn't realize that they, we hold the highest cards, right? Yes. But we, we don't know that. And when we go in not prepared and thinking, oh, well, you know, I've got willpower. I don't have to buy a car today. I'm just mm-hmm. looking around. Mm-hmm. We don't realize that they're equipped to, you know, strategically, like you said, ask the questions, get exactly. us in the seat, get us on a test exactly. drive, be in the car with us. Yes. When yes. we're doing the test drive and then we're talking about how much we love the car and mm-hmm. we're already sold. And so during the pandemic, some of those those same tools had to be tweaked a little. So no longer were people readily coming to the dealerships because of the pandemic. So then you had to, you know, get a little strategic, even more so, if you will, and send the videos. And then so because majority of people do not just impulsively purchase a vehicle without seeing it. So they have to touch it. They have to smell it. These are the things prior to the pandemic that were making it easier to to sell a car. So now, okay, now they're not going to come in. They're a little afraid. They're apprehensive. They don't want to go on a test drive because, you know, because of the vid. So, you know, you have to get a little more creative and send videos or do a video walk around and showing the people. You have to sell the car a little bit more because of, the situation Mm -hmm. and so you know it just it it became a little more I would say difficult but not impossible at at the same time because then the desire to have what someone else can't get kicked in Mm. with the vehicle with the vehicle shortage so it didn't require as hard a sale because people said could then brag oh I got something they couldn't get yeah and so then that became the the grab that became the instant gratification at that point. So why are the cars, why is there a car shortage right now? Well, it's starting to slowly pick back up. However, the car shortage because of a manufacturer in another country that uh, caught on fire, got destroyed, and it it was the major manufacturer of the chips that go into the vehicles. People love their technology. And the vehicle is basically a, a computer on wheels. And so you want the navigation, you want the power this, you want the digital that. And all of that is powered by this chip that was produced overseas that no longer was readily available. Um, there are talks that some uh, cell phone carriers purchased, or bought up a lot of them, and they made a, a, a strain on automotive uh, manufacturers. Mm-hmm. So as a result, vehicles were slow to be mass produced but then once they were mass produced they were without certain technology features that people wanted Mm, mm -hmm. it still did not slow up the purchasing because even with the shortage people were pre-purchasing a vehicle before it even made it stateside i see i see because i was going to ask did they buy the vehicle and then have the opportunity later once the chip is available to go and have it installed no 
Okay. They were purchasing them without certain features at the same cost, even oh, some my goodness. over over MSRP. There were some vehicles that were being sold 10, 15, even upwards to $20,000 over MSRP mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because of that. Wow. Because, I, you know, it's time for me to get a new car. And I don't mm-hmm. know if it necessarily needs to be brand new, but my car is a t- 2009. I drive a 2009 Camry. It's not mm-hmm. cute. I don't care. Uh, and, and I don't because I, I'm not going to go in unequipped uh, mm-hmm. to to do what I need to do to come out with. I don't even really want a car payment, but to come out with a car that I'm happy with and a payment if I do have one that I can that I can do. Exactly. So exactly. I'm just I'm just being patient. Yes, that that is, you know, I tell people the best time to car shop is when you don't have to. The same because thing we're looking for a job. <laughs> every time, every, with everything, because when you're under the gun, when you're under pressure, you're going to make, not maybe not everyone, but there's a greater possibility, a higher likelihood that you're going to make an error. Mm-hmm. You're going to rush to judgment, whether it be a job. You're going to make a, a, a financial decision you really can't afford when it comes to a vehicle. So always just take your time to be prepared and prior plan when it comes to making those major decisions. Yeah. And, and speaking of being prepared, mm-hmm. um, I th- you know, we don't do a lot of negotiating in life. We do negotiations when we get a job, right. And this mm-hmm. salary is involved. We we're supposed to, sometimes we don't even do that. <laughs> exactly. And then when we get a promotion, you know, mm-hmm. we're not supposed to just accept what they are offering. Mm-hmm. And then when we buy a car or we buy a, a home. And so we, so we don't know how to really do that. There's mm-hmm. a fear around it. Mm-hmm. We feel uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. what are some of the things that we can do? Some of the steps that we can take before we go to make these major purchases? I always say that there are a couple of things I guess you could do. One, you have to have an honest and realistic talk with yourself about one, do I need this or do I want this? And then two, have I budgeted for this? Mm -hmm. Because those things can prepare you. Let's say you're going to buy a car. If it's a need, then you you estimate, okay, what do I need? Do I have to have every bell and whistle? Can I go in and then settle for this car as opposed to this XYZ SUV? Mm -hmm. Then figure out what your budget is. I've seen hundreds of countless numbers of times when people come in and want a four fifty payment and they leave with a nine hundred dollar payment. No you way. Came, you yes, one hundred percent. You came in with that four fifty payment in mind because you sat down and you saw how your check looked and you saw how you're checking and you're saving and you're saving and you're checking did not add up to you leaving with a nine hundred dollar payment, but you left with it because you didn't plan correctly before you walked in there so stick to your budget i tell people all the time be firm and stick to it do not get caught up in the bells and the whistles and the new car smell if that used car really is in your budget Mm -hmm. you know so you have to ask yourself those questions what can i afford is this in my budget do i need it and or do i want it and Mm -hmm. then then you go from there would you encourage people to add in a little padding just in case they see something that might take up the payment a little bit more? I would only in a little padding um, after they have seriously sat down and looked at there. There are a few things because, you know, for your example, you're saying you have a 2009. I don't know how long ago you've been car shopping, but the reality is if it's been since 2009, the cost of vehicles have drastically changed. Mm-hmm. So yes, if you haven't been shopping in a long time, 
and you go in, oh, I want a $400 payment. And then you're probably going to be looking at something that is old enough to push off the lot and then just get <laughs> you off the lot. You know, so you have to be, be do some re- reality checking as well, you know, to know that that $400 payment might have been back in 2009, but the cost of everything has gone up. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't even get a, a, a case of eggs, a carton of eggs anymore for what you thought you could get it last year. Mm-hmm. So you have to also be realistic in knowing where the cost of things are. You don't even have to go to the dealership to do that. You can download a payment calculator, plug in the cost of that vehicle, and just assume an interest rate. Okay. Let's say, you know, that you do have a 700 credit score higher. And then you calculate and see where you're going to be. And then you just do your due diligence to know where you need to be to get the exact payment that you want or have to pad it, like you said. Mm-hmm. Now, are these some of the things that we're doing to leverage our knowledge to win at the negotiation? Some of it, yes. But then the other things that you can leverage, do to leverage your knowledge is uh, you need to know where you stand with your credit. Okay. Uh, when I do my consultations with clients, I always tell them there are three things you need to know. You need to know where you stand with your credit. If you're going to the dealership without knowing your credit score, and there are so many resources where you can get your credit that you're doing yourself a disservice. The dealership should not be the one that tells you what your credit score is because you've just given them all the leverage, all the power. Mm-hmm. And so you ne- definitely need to know where you stand with your credit. You need to know where you stand with your net, not your gross income, but your net income. Mm-hmm. So when you sit down, you need to know, okay, my rent, my mortgage is this, my gas, my lights, wire, the gas, cell phone, all of your bills. And then what you have left over, you need to, be honest with yourself and your budget. So then you can go in. And then finally, what I tell people, these are the first three things that we talk about when we do a consultation. And finally, what you need to do is you need to be realistic. Do not go in there with these state dreams and this pie pie budget. That's Mm -hmm. exactly what I tell them. You can't go in there wanting this $70,000 SUV and you've just done your numbers and your payment really shouldn't go over $500. Mm -hmm. So You have to be realistic with what you are. You have to crawl. Sometimes you might have to crawl. You might be in this smaller sedan. And then in a couple of years, you work up to this larger SUV. Mm -hmm. So those are the three things that you can do to leverage your your power when it comes to going to the dealership. Mm -hmm. Do you do um, consultations with people who are in just in your city? You're in Arkansas, right? I am in Arkansas, but my, my consultations are universal. Because the, the information that I share, I've, I've done consultations with people in Connecticut. I've done consultations with people in Georgia. I've done consultations with people in Florida, all over the United States. Mm-hmm. And what does that, that session look like? It's a 45-minute session that consists of you answering some questions once you schedule it. So I have an idea of what you're looking at, been to the dealership. And it walks, it's sort of back back into what you've already done and hopefully, which is not much, um, because sometimes, you know, you, some people want me to, you know, uh, part the sea and I don't have that power. But -hmm. if you come to me before you do too much damage, then there is some, there are some things that I can, you know, equip you with so that you can make an educated uh, purchase. So it comes with a 45 minute consultation. We find out where you are, where you're wanting to go and where, how you can get there. And it also uh, affords you the opportunity to download my ebook 
it's totally included into the consultation costs as well. Mm-hmm. It, it does come with a follow-up. There have been oh, okay. clients that have reached out after they get to the dealership and they're like, what do I need to do? And I talk them through what they need to do after they get to the dealership. And I've been able to assist even when they get to the financing part of things. So you can negotiate every part of the deal. So when it comes to the financing part of the deal, are you telling them I've already gotten the bank or the credit union to back me on this? Or do they tell you it's been so long since I bought a car? (laughs) And that's part of it, because depending on where you stand with your credit, Carla, going through the dealership might be more beneficial because you have more opportunities to find a bank. And then mm-hmm. it just depends on where your credit stands. It may be more beneficial or for you to go through the credit union or your personal bank. Typically, if you're about, I would say it's 650, 680 or higher, going through a credit union or your own bank can be more beneficial to prevent you from having multiple inquiries, which will bring down your credit score. Um, if you're below, if you're a 650 or 680 or higher, but if you're below a 650, then you may have to go through the dealership. Now, again, there are so many other factors, and that's why I'm talking, I have to talk to people to find out what they've done, where they've been, if they have auto credit, if they've ever financed a car loan. It's just so many factors that go into determining if you need to go to the dealership to get financed. Because sometimes you can eliminate that middleman and prevent more dings on your credit. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you about was, the, you know, the dings. So every mm-hmm. time they look and do a, a credit pull, that's a ding against you on your account? That is correct. Two to three points that stay on your bureau for two years. So, Victoria, let me ask. I don't understand that. If you're going to do something to buy a car and they have to check, why are you being dinged for that? You can't go in there and say, oh, you know, I have a 750 credit score and they just believe you. Are you saying that if I pull it myself, there's no ding? No, when, when you pull it yourself, this part is this called a soft inquiry and a hard inquiry. So typically when a financial institution pulls it, it's a hard inquiry. So if a dealership or if the bank pulls it, it's going to be a hard inquiry that will stay on your credit report for two years. The, the good part, though, is if you go to a bank or credit union, there's only going to be one pull. Okay. Them. But if you go to the dealership, and I've seen this happen, <laughs> You can get called what's called shotgun. And so what they will do then is they will shoot your credit score to upwards to 16 different banks. I haven't seen quite 16, but I have seen in double digits. And And that's for them to get the loan for you? Yes. And those are typically people with challenged credit. So they're just hoping they shoot you out there. That's what they call a shotgun. And it hits something. It's like almost like a scatter barrel. You just hope to hit something that one bank would take a chance on you and say, okay, let's do it. Listen, unless you live in the wilderness, you might need to take the bus for a little bit and, and work on, on that credit score because it, to me, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. It sounds like, you know, you're digging yourself in a deeper hole. There's this, 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 um, this advertisement that comes on, on this radio station that I, I pass through sometimes it's a little ratchet. Sometimes I listen to it. Mm-hmm. But um, you can tell who their audience is because of mm-hmm. the types of commercials that they have on there. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that there's a, a car dealership here in Los Angeles. And it was like, if we can't get you approved, God can't get you approved. And I'm like, listen, 
if you if you need to go to this dealership to get an approval, you got more work to do before you go to but, any dealership trying but, to buy a car. But Carla, what they're preying upon is you being in a certain situation so dire mm-hmm. that no one, everyone has told you no. And that that's what they're preying upon. They're preying upon the credit challenged individual or individuals that need something now. And everyone has told them no. Mm-hmm. I've had clients that have come to the dealership. They have been told no, but they come to another dealership thinking, well, this dealership will tell me yes. I have access to the same banks that just told you no here that were there. Mm-hmm. So it's a mindset. And when we're talking about mental health and major purchases, you have to be in a mindset to know I need to sit my behind down and work on something and change my mindset financing. I need to change my mindset about credit. I need to change my whole mental mindset about money to yeah. know that a, a 12, anything over 10% is considered a high interest, right? So mm-hmm. if you're, if someone tells you, oh, we can get you done, but the interest rate is 17% and you sign on the dotted line because you're just so happy that someone finally said yes, Instead of saying, you know what, let me Uber a little bit longer. Let me get a second job and, and budget a little bit better. You know, it's just a whole, when you start backing into it, we, and I've been guilty of this, when I say, oh, I can't afford to do something. But yeah, when I sat down and did my budget and I looked at my numbers, I could. I just chose to do something different with it. Yeah. But you have to be honest with yourself. And then, you know, that goes all the way back to, you know, a childhood, how you were raised. Just so, we'll get into that later. But that's a whole conversation that you have to have with yourself before you decide to allow someone to pray upon you like that. Yeah, one one thing I saw my mom do when we were growing up, she did have credit card at different stores and because we were, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but my mom always paid her bills on time. Mm-hmm. She did not do late payments. There were times when we were, rushing to let's just say Dillard's because I'm from the Midwest so rushing to Dillard's to make a payment before you know the last day so that Mm -hmm. she didn't get you know an extra charge and I saw that now Mm -hmm. I did see the credit card purchases but I also saw the commitment to honoring your debt and like making Mm -hmm. sure that you were paying it on time and so I took those similar habits into adulthood used Mm -hmm. credit cards and -hmm. and not knowing how to use them properly and Mm -hmm. uh, but I always paid my bills on time and I think that's why my credit was never bad mm-hmm. because I, I always paid it. And now that I'm out of debt, now I just have a fear of like getting in more debt. I'm in debt, but it's a, a debt like with an investment property, but I don't, I don't have any debt because I decided, like you said, it was a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. I don't need all these fancy things. I don't need a fancy car. Mm-hmm. I am confident in who I am and my ability to show up and fit in anywhere no matter yeah. what I'm rolling up in, I got a friend who's always telling me, you need to get a new car. You are, you are just, you know, too, too beautiful and too fly to be rolling up in this, in this Camry with the paint chipping off on the top. I said, it's fine. <laughs> and, and you know what, Carla, you know, there, it, it's so funny because there's no, I was sharing with a friend earlier today and we were talking about that, you know, the, the, there's no cookie cutter. Like if there was a way to learn managing finances and everyone could say, okay, boom, I'm going to learn it this way. Then I know everyone will want to strive for a 740 credit score or higher, but mm-hmm. you could grow up in the same household and learn a different way of, 
managing finances. Yep. I know there were four of us, four of us girls, four children. And in the household, you know, I I was, <laughs> when it came to finances, I was the black sheep of the finance family. So my sisters managed finances better than I did. And it was just innate in them. For mm-hmm. me, I, what I got from what I saw growing up was the Rob Peter to pay Paul method. And yep. so I did not, in, it wasn't innate in me. I didn't just naturally develop it. Later in life, here I am at almost 46, I'm understanding it better, but it wasn't in me. So it was, yes, it was a learned behavior that I took with me once I graduated high school, entered college, they threw credit cards. Oh yeah. I managed that. I just took them and said, yes, ran them up. Didn't know anything about 30% utilization. Didn't know anything about credit line increase. Didn't know anything about how to balance a checkbook or anything. You know, so it just spiraled. And then when I got married, I learned a lot about finance because he was solid financially. And then that's when my credit score started to improve in my managing of finances. I learned a lot during that, that, that marriage. But it's just not naturally you can take someone from the same household and it was a one in four so I was the one so mm-hmm. 25% you know that one person just I just didn't know it I just did not have it and so you know it, once you do learn it and so that's what I strive to do with Ask Victoria and not just with car consulting you know uh, the, the whole concept or premise behind Ask Victoria is to equip people Manager. We have a real estate agent. There's me for the auto consulting. I have an attorney. There's a notary. I have a, a banker and a financer and an insurance agent. These mm-hmm. are all individuals that collectively can help you in one situation or not to prevent you from being in a, a detrimental situation. And so the idea is to get ahead of it. So our target audience are typically college students. Uh, single mothers, divorced moms, so that you can say, hey, uh, before you get out there into the real world as a college student, this is how you manage your finances. This is how you purchase a house. This is how you purchase a car. Because just looking at statistics is, 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 you know, it's alarming, if you will, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times people go into, well, I have buying power, not understanding that there's a difference Buying power is to have the money in your account that will allow you to buy stocks, options, bonds. That's buying power. Mm -hmm. Purchasing power is when you have the money to spend. And sadly enough, you know, Frank Holland with CNBC, he reported back in 2021 that (laughs) $1.6 trillion were spent by black Americans. Oh, I don't, I just, I believe it. I do. We, I believe we it. spend it, but sadly, when it comes to owning a home, 74.6 white Americans own a home where only 45.3% of black ho- ho- are, are homeowners. So we're spending the money, we're not managing the money, and we're not even having assets or buying power to do something. We have purchasing power. Mm-hmm. And it's estimated by 2024 that $1.8 trillion will be spent by Black Americans. So we have the money and not managing it well. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, well, where does that come from? Where, 
what did you grow up seeing in your household? Mm-hmm. And what are we seeing now? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, so, social so, media is a big culprit, yes, you know, yes. and we are not. I curate my, I try to curate my, my page, like what I see on social mm-hmm. media, because yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I always say this on my podcast. I don't want to follow a bunch of foolishness. Exactly. I want to follow people who are doing things that I want to do. And I want to follow people who are showing up and being authentic with the way that they yeah. are doing life in a way that's going to help me elevate, not going yeah. and buying a bunch of Gucci bags or, you know, and you know, buying fancy shoes and I have some of that stuff but I'll give you an example like even yesterday I was like oh man I I saw something that I wanted it was a luxury item Mm -hmm. and I was like well I can't really do that when I said that I wanted to get new podcast equipment Uh right and they would cost about the same so I went and got my podcast equipment immediately because mm-hmm. if you had the money about to buy this over here, then you need to yeah. go ahead and get the podcast equipment that's going to help you in your future, right? Mm-hmm. To grow your podcast the way you say you want to grow your podcast, to be more professional, to show up on YouTube, you know, next month. So all these things that I want to do, I had to make that decision. That decision came from me following David Shans, who was a podcaster that I really admire, the Social mm-hmm. Proof Podcast. I'm in his community Mm-hmm. And he's speaking these things into our lives. And I'm following that yes. instead of following the influencer, showing yeah. me all their fancy things yeah. and not really showing me a real realistic road to get there. You know, social media, and I'll go back to talking about the household and home and all of that, but social media is instant gratification. 120, I tell people all the time, it's 120 characters. And now when it used to be people would read and see a static post or a post. Now they're not even doing that. So they yep. want now to, to, and I hate to use it, but dumb it down to where they don't even want to watch. They want it a reel. A reel is about, it could be as short as a couple of seconds to, you know, maybe a minute. So yeah. they're not even wanting, so they're wanting instant gratification with social media now. It's, that's what the world is. They want instant gratification. They don't want to put in the work. They don't, and I'm not saying everyone is like that, but that's a lot of what you're seeing fed that people think, oh man, I want that. They have this. Mm -hmm. But like you said, if you, if you filter through what is feeding you and what is not feeding you, it will help you to know what's going to serve you best and help you grow and be a better person person better financially better emotionally mentally because all of this stuff can can do damage (laughs) it can either do damage or it can do good yeah and that's why you know we titled this about anxiety around major Mm -hmm. purchases like your mental health and these decisions and choices that we make like for me in in 2005 that was a seven year struggle for me Mm -hmm. the interest rate was super high Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know. I just sat down and signed the papers. Yes. That's what and, I did. Yeah. And, you know, before I started, it, before I got into automotive sales, I was guilty of the same thing. I told them how much I had to spend. I told them what my budget was. I told, I mean, I just gave up everything. And once I start, got into the automotive industry and I was just like, oh, they're telling me everything. I don't even have to do any work. And now I see how it works and how I can assist someone in preventing them from making the same mistakes that I made 
that that's my charge. That's my mission and in, in moving forward and in every aspect of finances. That's why I expanded Ask Victoria. So it could help and assist people. Yeah. So what, what would be your parting words of wisdom today for the GYSB Talks community? I would say, Carla, you know, there are ways that there are things that you can do to not find yourself in the position. Now, earlier I spoke about three things, but first what I would say is get with an expert. Thanks be to social media. You can find someone that's an expert in any field that you're interested in, whether it be buying a home, managing your finances, buying a car, uh, learning about insurance even. There are so many things that you need to learn about insurance. So there there are ways that you can search through who works for you and what works for you to connect with that person. And even if they're offering a consultation, if they have free information, get as much information as you can and then schedule a consultation and, and connect with someone that can walk through the process to prevent you from making a mistake. That's what, that's what quote unquote experts are for. They've been there, they've done that, or they've seen someone do it and they can assist you in preventing you from doing the same. How do you know if they're an expert, though? Because everybody's an expert on social media. You know, I this is where I tell people all the time, the best way to find out, and this is no matter what you're doing or where you're going, read reviews. Th- that's the other thing that with social media, you cannot alter a review on certain places. Yelp, Google, Facebook. You can't alter those reviews. And we, this is a, this is a culture where people will write and they will go and blast yep. in heartbeat. So read reviews, do your research, take the time, be patient. And that's why I always say, do the shopping before you have to do the shopping. And that way you have time. And you're not under the pressure to just take the first person. And, oh, let me just do this. Take the time to do it beforehand so that you're not in a position where you're rushing and feeling the pressure to do it. That's good. That's good. Solid advice. And if, so if people want to work with you or they want a consultation with you, what, how should they get in touch with you and how should they follow you on social media? They can follow me on all social media at, at ask Victoria and the number one, just DM me or you can email me Victoria at askvictoria.net. Okay. So you guys heard it here. You know, you've got some tips. If you have any questions, I mean, I know when I get ready to buy a car, I'm going to go ask Victoria. Uh, (laughs) But if you want to connect with me on social media, Carla Palmer, I am GYSB Movement on all social media platforms that I'm on. So that's IG, YouTube, and TikTok. I mainly focus on IG, but I am on all of the other platforms. And the GYSB Talks uh, podcast will be going to video in March. So look out for that. I know. I'm like so excited. I got a lot to learn, though. Ooh, I got a lot. Of, it's a learning curve, girl, for this 51-year-old mind. <laughs> you got it. Thank you. So I just thank you so much for joining us today. My, my pleasure. It's I'm my happy ple- to have you here. And I'll probably have you back maybe to talk about some of the other areas or maybe bring somebody from your team to yeah. talk about, you know, maybe home buying or something like that. But we'll have you back for sure. You are a friend to me and the communities, just so you uh, know that. Well- Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thank you, everyone. We will talk to you later. See you next week on GYSB Talks. We drop episodes every Monday at 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So look out for the episode that drops on Monday. Until then, take care. 
all content on this podcast and any linked blog, podcast, webinar, course, or video material is created and produced for informational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health advice. The information is general and may not be suitable for your personal circumstances or complete health objectives. Do not use this content as a standalone resource to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease for therapeutic purposes or as a substitute for the advice of a health professional. Never delay seeking advice or disregard the advice of a medical professional based on our content here on this podcast. If you have questions or concerns about your health or medical condition, please seek guidance from a medical professional.